In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. We're in chapter 4 of the book, and as soon as I find my slide here, on the correct church, so that we don't go over the same ones again. Church of Pergamos is where we're going to start today. We have it here. So chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to go 12 through, I believe it's 17. <laughs> yeah. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I come to you quickly, and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the white stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Anybody have anything they want to say, or I don't just want to take over and make it a lecture again. So I just thought, so when when he mentions that we're like where Satan's city or where Satan is, Satan is it just sin? Or they're just talking about? No, it's an actual, it's an actual throne. So there was just a, so they had a throne for Satan in this city. He is showing you what's behind. So they had a throne for a Greek god, which we'll cover. Okay, so it's a false idol. Or... Yep, and then he's saying who's actually behind these false gods. Sure. It's Satan. So okay. Remember, these are Jesus' words. They don't come up in red on the screen, but they should be. Anything else? Will we dive into dissecting this? Hearing none, we will look at the city of Pergamos itself. It is 45 miles north of Smyrna. Remember Smyrna, the last church we covered? The persecuted church. It's very wealthy. They made vellum. Vellum is used in writing, and they actually rivaled Egypt for writing instruments. So they got that stuff going on. Knowledge. Their library had over 200,000 volumes, which is essentially like having the internet back then. We can go and look up whatever you wanted. Pergamum means mixed marriage, and in fact, the church had mixed with the local government. So that's interesting. It's a key city in the imperial Caesar worship. Worship is, this is again where the seat of Satan is. That's the temple of Zeus and the temple of Diana. It's one of the seven wonders of the world, 90 square foot, built actually into a mountain. The throne was actually moved to Berlin in 1903, where you can still go toward it today. What's they worship again? The throne of the Zeus's temple or the temple of Diana. She's also called... Uh, Artemis. Yep. So, they worshipped Athena and Asepulus there. Uh, they thought they got healing by sacrifice. And they would actually go on top of the 90-foot platform there and conduct pagan worship, keeping in mind Diana is the fertility god. You can see they would actually have child sacrifice to her, which means 
while they would engage in sexual activities of worship, they would actually take young boys and girls up there and use statues until the children died through worship to sacrifice their children. So that's kind of what's going on. That's why he's not too happy. Much. Yeah. Greek god worship. The three key Greek gods that are there are Zeus, Athena, and Asepulus, which is, well, this is the rod of Asepulus. He is the god of medicine. This may look somewhat familiar. So your barber pole is kind of, kind of based on that, the red and the white, that sort of stuff. So, just so you, you know what you're looking Let's look at the actual church now. Any questions on the city? Thoughts? It sounds like their, their thought process is a little off. They're... Well, that's the city. That's not the church. That's right. just the city well, yeah, as a yeah. whole. But that's, but that's where that's where the church is at. That's where the people are at. So to imagine like that is now going on around you as the church. And like, it's like moving into Canton and being like, gosh, it's really bad over here. This is probably not a great place to like thrive or, or try to live prosperously, I guess. But look at what? True. No. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at the church. The church had compromised itself. And uh, there were things, they were being all things to all people. Now that might sound like what Paul said. But Paul said, I will be all things to all people that I should win some for Christ. They were just being all things to all people so the people would show up. Yes. So in other words, no matter of how things were getting done, they were going to get done, whether they were for Christ or not, basically, just to appease the people. Is that yeah. okay. Kind of like the church today. Okay. Well, just yep. show up. Yeah. doesn't matter. Just Don't change up. your thing. <laughs> the way you think or anything like that, just show up. Yep. Build the rafters. It was a safe place. Yeah. Not offensive at all. Like a college campus, I guess. <laughs> college campus. So, let's look at this. Hebrews 13 through 17, speaking about the leaders of the church here, he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And he continues in James 3.1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So if you ever volunteer to lead a Bible study or anything like that, you're held accountable for what you're teaching. And it's a stricter level. So these people were going, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Your truth, man. Your truth. Wherever the crap that is. And Jesus is going, yeah, I see you. And it's coming. Thoughts on that? Shows that you have to have a lot of responsibility for if you're going to take on the, the act of teaching. I think that some, just like you said, sometimes people look at the surface stuff, you know, or, or there's sometimes, I don't know if they're, I'm sure there's a small amount that are purposeful and showing you the wrong words, or some people that just don't understand them and they're like, I think this is what it means. And they don't do enough research to maybe confirm what they're thinking that it means is actually what it means. Or we just don't want to offend people, so we dance. Yeah. 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 We talked about that last week. So the church had compromised. Jesus says that he has a sharp two-edged sword. Why would you think that's important? Where else do we see this? Have you ever heard of the sharp two-edged sword that comes out of Jesus' mouth? 
Okay. We'll get to this more distinctly in Revelation 19. But it is the word of God with which he will cut in both directions. Okay. That's okay. So if people can get what you're selling anywhere, why do they come? And this is kind of the commercial they're giving out there. Come, you can be who you want. We'll accept you. I can be accepted wherever I go. No one matters. People are coming because they feel or they believe in something. That's why they come to the church. So compromise doesn't work well when you're in church. The sword, this is the same sword Jesus uses to judge the world. Again, in Revelation 19. Here, he's actually using it on his church. So those who stand against him, he will kill with it. Real quick. But with us, it's more like surgery. He's trying to cut out the evil in your life. And the more he teaches you about how you need to move towards holiness, he doesn't expect you to, you know, the one day be a heathen, the next day go, I believe in you, and the next day walk around, oh, no. Okay, there's a progression. Yep. But if you're ever stagnant, if you're not actually moving closer, you should probably look around because you're in trouble. You need to figure out what's going on, basically. So, so as you move closer to him, things that when you first believed, you were like, I'm doing really good. Now you're like, oh, I'm starting to see that this is this and this is that. And deciphering the traditions, the difference between theology and traditions or that sort of stuff. Okay. Thoughts on that? Your cup runneth over until you figure out more of your spirituality. Just because your heart gets filled one day doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. you got to keep pushing for it. You taught me that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep in mind, this is the same sword. He doesn't switch, switch blades. His word is his word. If anyone, pastor, boss, parent, government, spouse, friend, look at, uh, there's several examples in the Bible, they try to tell you to do something counter to God's will. Their authority, under Romans 13 and the rest of the whole follow the law of the land, is gone. And so now it is your job to jump scriptures to the occupy until I return. It's now your job not necessarily to violently stand against the government, but to stand and still tell the truth. But just because they tell you it's okay and it's right, and oh, you can't just go, well, he told me. He's my boss. Romans 13.1 says he was, he was appointed. Yeah. So long as he stays within that role? Yes. Any thoughts? I think, I think me and you had a conversation as you were kind of going through something like that at work. And I just remember you saying how hard it was because it's like you're in this battle of well, this is my boss or this is somebody that is, has authority over me. For my job, which, and then we can go into the realm of like how the job affects your family and, mm -hmm. and all this. But it, and, and it, you just, I just remember you saying like, this is, this is like one of those times in your life where you have to remain strong in your faith. And this is why I, it's like you would say this. And I'm like looking at you going like, yeah, but I don't, I mean, you're telling me this trap, but you seem pretty calm about it. Like, and I think that's just a testament to how strong your faith was. Then it's just like, yeah, I know I need to do this. And it's probably not going to be the most popular thing. It's generally and I'm probably going to piss some people off. It is generally me. But, <laughs> and there are some times where I'm like, Travis, I think you're just being honorary. But then there was that time where I was just like, oh no, Travis, this is like, 
yeah, this is a battle like that you were going to have to deal with. And it was actually kind of inspiring the fact that you're just like, yeah, I mean, I know it's not going to be popular, but I know what the war told me to do. And that's a hard thing, especially maybe me for sometimes. I haven't, I haven't had it in my, yeah, in my profession. That probably would be a battle that I would have a hard time with because, you know, that's the world and then you have your fate. And you have to embrace the stuff. Yeah. Yes. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Move forward and know that he already sees the outcome. Sure. That's the biggest thing. How, so you mentioned um, Romans 13 about the governing authorities. Um, how do we, how can we apply that? Because you had mentioned we don't have to apply it if they don't follow God's word, but how would we apply Romans 13 to like Biden, for instance? Because <laughs> it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority is except appointed. from God. Yes. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will anchor judgment. Um, so how? Keep, yeah. Keep going through verse five. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one with in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. So Biden's God's servant for our good. Just keep going. Okay. It's like a survival. What if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger of who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Keep going. Nope. It just goes into how you pay your taxes, too. So. <laughs> he is appointed, but keep in mind, God is moving nations into a position to fulfill his end goal. And his end goal is based around Israel, which this is a great segment because what just happened either early this morning or late last night, depending on your time zone, is huge. Did anybody hear about the sabotage of Nord Stream and Nord Stream 2? No. So the two gas lines that Russia supplies, Nord Stream 1 was actually the one that they supplied Europe with natural gas. Nord Stream 2 was the one that they were going to turn on. Somebody blew them up. There's now a ton of natural gas leaking into the sea, and Europe is completely cut off from Russian gas, whether they wanted to be or not. Mazeltov, you got what you wanted. Now start up your wind farms and your stinking solars because you ain't got anything left. Yeah. Um, in fact, they're keeping three nuclear power plants online longer than they wanted to. Now, why is this important? At the same time, we have Russia doing a 300-person draft, but if you look at the secret Section 7 of that order... He can actually draft 1.3 million people. Um, he is going to give a speech on the 30th, where most likely the referendums in the Lunesk, Donetsk, uh, several other areas, 20% of Ukrainian land will be annexed into Russia against international law. And when they don't leave or attack, he will declare outright war, bringing six other nations, just like NATO in his Warsaw Pact, into a full-blown war in which he is threatening nuclear war. In fact, he actually made the statement that he's not afraid to use nukes in his last statement, and they are currently buying iodine tabs by the hundreds of thousands. That contract expires September 30th, the same day that he is going to give his speech. The U.S. Naval Command has said that if he uses nuclear weapons in Ukraine, the United States Navy will sink his entire Black Sea fleet. Welcome to World War III. Roars and rumors of wars. Do I think we're going to end up in World War III? No. But do I think he's bluffing? No. Yeah. So keep in mind, 
Now, the main supplier to Europe is Israel, through Egypt and across. This is now a threat to Russia. They used to be able to dial it up, dial it down. They were none too happy with Israel. They told them that. But they could still just dial it up and take back the business. Now they can't. They're completely cut off. That's the only thing keeping their economy afloat. Uh, and they just lost it. Which is funny because it's under the sea. So it's no longer floating. Um, so the day that we signed, it was So Ezekiel, <laughs> Ezekiel 38 and 39, a large step was just moved forward. The hook is probably now set. He's going to need to take it. And he's going to think he can. Keep in mind, in the beginning of January, it's believed that Benjamin Netanyahu will be reinstilled as the prime minister. So Iran is on borrowed time, and they know it. Russia is going to have to make a move before he gets in there. And the guy who can't even ride a bicycle Wait. is leading our when is, yes. when is Bibi? When is Bibi going? Oh, sorry. Probably the beginning of January. January. Not January 1st. Near the beginning of January. Or just beginning of January. So they have a limited time to pull some crazy tricks, pretty much. There you go. Okay, because he's like their Trump, Israel's Trump kind of. He won't be yes. to them, right? No. He's the one who, yeah. like, people stopped watching Rockets the last time because he just said, next time, gloves are off. And you know, there was little really peace around there. Even, even the other terrorist organizations wouldn't back other terrorist organizations. Right. So, all right. So we went through the sharp two-edged sword. So it was very popular in this city to be a Christian. Popular if you did what the community did. Should sound rather familiar to today's church. Thoughts on that? He lists three locations in his statement. You are. He knows where you dwell. Okay. Now remember, he's talking to every church. Every church reads every one of these letters. It's not like it's a secret. And it still applies to us. Dwell here means where you live. Not your city. Your specific address is what he's saying. I know where you live. And what you're dealing with in your immediate situation. It's not like he's a stranger. Just going, ah, I saw it in the news. Sounds like you're having a hard time. Where Satan's throne is. Again, the throne of Diana. And they were the big three gods. Archaeology shows us that they were serpents built into all of their government and religious buildings. That's not good. Remember Ascrilus, the, the rod of Asepulus? Okay. Think of models. You see them posing with snakes all the time. And you're like, why do people always want to pose with these snakes? Well, that's why. It's a paganism thing. And there's a lot of paganism in your music, your secular music, your Maybe movies, your stuff. They'll say it's beat up. It's not. Maybe. So just keep an eye out. When you start seeing it and you start knowing what you're looking for, they'll be like, oh, that's everywhere. Why you All right. What happened? Of sin. <laughs> All, you know, the beginning of sin. <laughs> they would actually go on the roof of this again and engage in worship. So while they are on their roofs, in today's society, we are on computers and smartphones. And where they would take their children and sacrifice them on the altar of, we kind of sacrifice our children on the altar of convenience to throw a screen in front of them and not actually have to deal with them. And number three, where Satan dwells. Kind of saying Satan lives? That was, that was the temple. Same kind. Jesus knows your convictions, what you stand for. 
Keep in mind they had a Sepulus Sotar, which was the serpent's savior. That's what he was called. So the doctrine. The doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak and the Nicolaitans. So does anybody remember the story of Balaam and Balak? No. You've got to go back to Numbers. So Balaam, Balaam is a prophet of God. And Balak summons him. He's the king of Moab to curse the Israelites during the Exodus. And he says, I can't do anything that God tells me I can't say. So he ends up going. And three times he blesses them when he was paid to curse them. He's like, I can't do it. And he seems like a good guy. He can't figure out why he's, why he's an evil guy. Well, he then turns around and goes, listen, I can't curse them, but I'll give you a little hint. You guys worship pagan gods of sensuality. Take the hottest things you can find in your villages, dress them up real nice, send them down, and tell them we worship through sex. And you will entangle them. And they did. And that's why he, he destroyed a lot of... He gave them a lot of headaches through that sort of thing. Okay? Any questions there? You, you asked who the Nicolaitans were? Nicolaitans means laity. Laity would be the people of the church. So Nicolaitans is a belief that the flesh doesn't matter. You're saved in the soul, so do whatever you want. Whatever, whatever you want. So like the desires to just... Whatever. Just do that what you do. As long as your soul's okay. Yep. Even though that wouldn't that compromise your soul. And that's why Jesus says, but Jesus doesn't hate the Nicolaitans. He said, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So Jesus doesn't hate anybody. He hates the yeah. actions of people. Which is where we can we we have a hard time separating what people do to us versus the people themselves. Jesus does not. And just like those folks out there that like atheism or like even dare I say they believe in the dark one, it's like they they ridicule us, but those deities that they worship, they got a set of rules too. And it's like and they're all, oh, you know, you gotta do that because God said that I'm like, look at you, you got more rules than what you can count. But yet you don't follow them, but yet you want to criticize and ridicule me. You better start realizing what you're doing as well. <laughs> you agree? I agree. This is about the time when Constantine made Christianity the Roman religion. And if you want to hinder Christianity, just make it accepted and popular. Because then it becomes diluted. When it's under the fire of persecution, it actually thrives. Because then it's not the cool thing. Right. And if you're willing to sacrifice and suffer for it, you're probably actually dedicated. Not many fakers are like, yeah, burn me at the stake. So Antipas, the martyr... He was actually thrown into a brass bowl and cooked to death. So they were like real bad out back in those days. They were genius in how they killed people. Well, it was kind of on the same of Molech. You ever read a Molech in your Old Testament? It says you offered your major children go through the fire. They're all talking about Molech. He's that like dog guy who stands there like this. You ever see statues of that? They would set him on fire. He would heat up on the inside. Then they would lay their children on his arms until they burned to death, and thus pass them through the heart. That's what they're talking And then, he says, I will give you a white stone. The white stone equals acquittal. If you were found innocent of some horrible charge, you would be given a white stone with a new name on the other side, and your name was actually changed. Jesus says, I give you a new name. This is kind of what they would be used to. 
He gives them a new name. They're no longer the same person. No one's going to bring it back up because no one even knows that name. So in today, we have like expungement. It would be like giving somebody a witness protection identity. They're completely new. Nothing that they did before is held against them. Say that all one more time. I like missed the first part of it. So we have an expungement process. Okay. Back then they would give you a new stone, a white stone, white stone, right? And it was like entering witness protection. You had a whole new identity. No one could even look up the thing that you did. You were a new person. That's why Jesus is saying it, it meets them where they are in their culture. I will give you a new name. All things are dead. You are a new well, creation. That sounds pretty convenient. Yeah. You just get the one stone, or can you get multiple stones? No, you just get the one. You only need saved once. You're saved from all sin across all time. You only need one stone. So what? Yeah, that's just a physical representation for them, or is that just is that a physical representation for? He's giving a metaphor of uh, something that they would see, know, and would be familiar. Any other questions? Do you, is, do you know the real location of Pergamon is it in Europe somewhere where all of these he's gonna set or is it all of, gonna set a throne? All of these churches are in Turkey, modern day Turkey. Thank you. That's what I wondered. All the churches. All seven all seven of them are in it modern has, day Turkey. Okay, but isn't the king gonna actually set up his throne for the in Pergamon? In that particular location? No. He, he will take over the throne in Jerusalem, in the new temple. Right. But, but originally, doesn't he start there? He, so so he, he rises from the revived Roman Empire, from obscurity somewhere probably yeah. in Europe. Okay, yes. They knew the Greco-Roman Empire would all have to come together again. Yes. For that to happen. But I... His throne would be in Pergamum for a while before he convinced the Jews to let him in the temple. Mm -hmm. Currently, his throne is in Germany, which would be in the Roman Empire. Okay. Because it was this this throne that they're talking about was actually moved in 1903 to a museum in Germany. Oh, so they still have they still have it in a museum. That's yep. Easy. I might want to go put that back. Might be not something you want to hold on to in a museum, like. Well, this is we just brought ground keep, zero to here. Keep in mind, if you watch, you know what CERN is? Yeah. The Large Hadron Collider, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. If you look at the imagery outside of it, it's all pagan. Europe is very pagan. Even today. Yeah. So they're right, that's right up there out. No, Any other questions about Pergamos? Pergamos. Now we're going on to Thyatira. Thyatira. So, 18 through 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children with death 
and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my word until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Any thoughts on the city of Thyatira? Yes. So in regards to that young lady that basically Jezebel. is talking about, um, in reference to that, what I just mentioned, um, so it isn't good for folks just to be going out and just spreading their love, even if they're not married, per se, it's technically a sin, correct? Yes. Like, no matter how you swing it is what I'm getting at. Because you see a lot of that nowadays. Well, I'm not doing this. I'm not married. I'm not this. It's like, no, you're still going out there doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. So, <laughs> is that what that means? Is what I'm Je getting Jezebel at. is actually from the Old Testament. Okay. She's the wife of Ahab. Okay. When Elijah goes on the mountain after the three years of fan, or actually ended up being three and a half years of drought, and he challenges the 450 prophets of Baal, that's her province. And he ended up killing all 450 of them. Wow. And then he, he outruns the horse for 13 miles. And the next day, here's Jezebel says she's going to kill him. And she had killed almost all of the prophets of God. So he took off running. And his story goes on from there. So basically, sin is a sin. Is she, her, there was a prophecy made about her. Okay. That she would be killed in such a manner that her... Her blood would be licked up by dogs, and the only thing left would be her skull, her hands, and her feet. Wow. Well, when one of the kings of Israel showed up, she basically called out, Hey, traitor, what do you come to do? And she's all, she was said to be a very beautiful woman. She was all done up trying to intimidate him. Basically thought just the mere sight of her would make him run. And he was like, Anybody up there stand with me? And three servants threw her out of the tower. She hit the ground, her blood spattered on the wall. He trampled her with his horse, and then just decided to go to dinner. They all go inside to eat. When they're done, he's like, we gotta go bury her. She's still a queen. Went out. The only thing left was her skull, hands, and feet. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's who he's talking about. Okay. City of Thyatira. It's the most northern of all the churches we'll talk about. After this, we start heading back south and east. They produced wool. They could clean clothes and dye clothes. This is where Lydia, Paul meets Lydia, the, the woman who made the purple clothes. She was in Thyatira. Thyatira was the brand, if you will, of the day. The most expensive brand, Versace or whatever. If you had purple linen from Thyatira, you were somebody. Okay, so that, that's the deal. They had the first union in the Roman Empire, the wool workers. It was a big deal. Everybody who worked there was very organized. They all belonged to a guild. It was a very organized city of the workers. It wasn't a very large city. Not a very beautiful city, but a well-run city. Very affluent, like we just talked about. Not beautiful, but good. 
questions on the city of Thyatira. The church of Thyatira. Their works are increasing. Hence your last are more than your first. But they allowed the world to dictate how they acted and what they believed. They did have this. Godly love, deep love, true love. Sounds like a good thing. 19 says, I, I, you know, Lord, I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patience. Yep. So love is the first one they had. Their love was acted out impartially. Didn't matter if you were part of the church or not. So he's telling them good job on that. Service. Great. This is where we get our words for deacons. They were the higher-ups in the church. They served each other. So good job there, he's saying. Faith. They were loyal to doctrine. They were loyal to scripture. And they faithfully attended their church. But they let some things creep in and they avoided certain parts of the Bible. That's where the problem came. And patience. They were busy about the father's business and very excited about his soon return. Very expected him to return during their life. Son of God. Keep in mind, they allowed traditions and stuff to come in. So you have to know where your traditions come from. Don't just do something because the church says we've always done it this way. Figure out where it came from. Figure out why. Uh, Jesus is describing himself to each church and how his attributes apply to them in what goes on around them. And they wanted to look good but not cause waves. Yes. So they were we're back to morning. Very understanding. <laughs> Son of God, Jesus looks at this and is setting himself against the other gods who are worshipped here. Right. In fact, they had lost the fact that Jesus was the true and only way to God. They thought that they, they actually taught that there were certain ways, other ways to God besides just through Jesus. It was thought taught that there were easier ways to teach the, the gospel. So they wouldn't use words like sin, judgments, or repentance. Kind of sounds like your prosperity church. However, without repentance... You cannot get the gospel because repentance is the first step. Unless you know what you're saved from, you won't understand what you're actually saved for. And Jesus was telling them, um, by the way, I am the only way to the Father. He says, I have eyes like a flame of fire. We see that in his description in Revelation 19 later. It is true. However, other gods steal his attributes because Satan has actually seen him in his glory. So everything he does is fake and a lie. Jesus has holy and pure eyes in which he can see and judge righteously. Remember? And he has feet of brass in which he would walk around in perfect judgment. Jesus will determine where everybody spends eternally. He's the one. He's the judge. The other gods that were worshipped here were looking at Apollo. Apollo was said to have eyes of a flame of fire. Interesting. So Jesus is literally standing against that God going, have him stand up. He, Apollo, is the God of divine distance. The God who made mortals aware of their own guilt and purified them of it, presided over religious law, constitutions of cities, communicated to mortals his knowledge of the future and the will of his father Zeus. Does that sound like an impersonation? A little bit. Jesus is kind of calling it out. Okay, and then the other one was Helios. Helios was said to have feet of brass, and he was the sun god. He was the guardian of oaths and of the god of sight. And that's why Jesus picked those two attributes to give himself in that city. Questions on that? Continuing the church of Thyatira. 
Right. Revelation 2.19 was a hey, attaboy, good job. But now Revelation 20 through 23 begins with nevertheless. So when you're when you're hearing this, you're sort of puffing your chest up, and then he goes, nevertheless. The question is, somebody tells you all sorts of things and then says again, nevertheless. Or but that might be a little bit of a mark where you're gonna forget everything they just said. Nevertheless, they were blending with the world. And they allowed the world to dictate how they acted and what they believed. They did have the godly love, the deep love, and the true love, but they weren't showing it in the truth of doctrine. Jezebel, we kind of talked about Jezebel. She would teach people how to seduce the servants of God. The offerings, she would she would give sexual worship to her gods, paganism. That's why Elijah challenged them. Let's take a look back. So Jezebel will come up, Babylon will come up, that ancient city Babylon will be an ancient, will be a sign later when we get into the deeper parts of Revelation. But when it comes to the offerings, let's look at the war plan of Satan against the church itself. In Ephesus, they had the fact that they were so busy they lost their first love. They were so worried about getting things done that they weren't worried about why they were doing. Smyrna, persecution to the point of being tempted to say Caesar is Lord. Pergamos, to embrace heretical doctrines, to say that they would be willing to compromise just to have people show up. Thyatira, build a church, fill it, dress it up, make it look nice. All the bands, smoke, lights, mirrors, that sort of stuff. But bring in traditions that have no point in the church, just so that people can feel they are religious. That's what they used. So being accepting of not just of people, but their wants, their beliefs, so that we're one big happy family. There's no conflict here. You want to be this? You want to be that? Have at it. And Jesus is going, that's not how this flies. Compromise for inclusion. Keep in mind, God loves everyone far more than they love themselves. He wants more for you than you want for yourself. But he won't allow everybody to be included in his church because they don't want to play by his rules. There's only one way, and that's the narrow gate. So he allows them to make their choice if they want to follow him or not. Ask yourself these questions. When you're standing before Jesus, and you, you felt in that conversation you wanted to just, uh, you don't want to be that confrontational. Will Jesus care if you felt awkward? No. Will Jesus care if you were inclusive? If you showed, you cared them by giving them what they want instead of lovingly telling them what they need. If you get stern tracks, he's going to get to the point. Mm -hmm. Be like, here's what's up. <laughs> like, all these are rhetorical. They are. I know. You take the easy road. Here's what happened. Here's what it is. <laughs> so, again, their offerings. So keep in mind, Jezebel is said to be a prophetess or an oracle in those days. If any of those people said something, it was like the gospel truth. So he's calling them out. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 7, 17 and 18. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers need the fire, and the women need the dough of the cakes for the queen of heaven. So it's an entire family event. Everybody has a role. 
They pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke, provoke me to anger. That's God talking. Queen of heaven. Who's queen of heaven? The queen of heaven? There's a special person that they're talking about. Aretha Franklin? Not Aretha Franklin. <laughs> this is a woman named Semiramis. Where is she in the Bible? You won't find her name. You have to look to paganism. And Nimrod? Genesis 11, he built the Tower of Babel. Yeah. That's his wife. And you want me to go look at some pagan books? <laughs> two Babylons. Read the city of two Babylons. That's how you got to know who she is. She's the queen of heaven. Only Travis would. You can't find her in the book. You have to read the Satan book. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> you know about her. Like, Satan books, Travis. Whoops, I bumped my, bumped my screen here. So. She is the basis. Her, Nimrod, and their son, Tammuz, are the basis of all your Greek and Roman gods. That's why they go back to it. What's the name again? Which one? The Queen. Queen of Semiramis. Semiramis. Nimrod in the Bible. Tammuz. Tammuz is in the Bible. They just don't. S-E-R-M-I-R-A-M-I-S-E. <laughs> so now the question is just how angry was God? You have to go back one verse and he'll tell you. Think about how, how much you had to do to upset God at this point. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. He's a little mad. Jezebel's doctrine. Belief that you can't reach straight to God and must go through the mother who gave birth to God, the queen of heaven. This precedes most of the Bible in time, going back all the way to the time of the pharaohs. The church of Thyatira embraced this, and when prophets or oracles spoke, they obeyed their words as doctrine and actually turned away from biblical doctrine. In Romanism, there was the worship of the queen of heaven, which the Old Testament condemns, and this is not Mary. That's the Semiramis. I will not dive into this. So, so one more time, Semiramis was who? Nimrod's wife and the mother of Tammuz. Huh. Greek mythology, right? No, those are in the Bible. Oh. So he is Zeus. Nimrod is Zeus. Okay. She is Venus or Isis. Cool. And Tammuz is Horus, the moon god, or or uh, Cupid. Now, Nimrod was an archer. Tammuz took after him. That's why Cupid has a bow and arrow. And if we go into all the symbols and hearts. The hearts. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Bro. We won't. We won't. You're going we to get a cup of coffee. I know. We got a cup of coffee. And a, a, that's not so heavy. Afterwards, a stiff drink and maybe a cigarette. <laughs> awesome. going to get real. Well, oh, okay. He brought it. So the heart symbol. Nope. Okay, it doesn't look anything like a horse. It's actually an Illuminati symbol that comes from paganism. Oh. And Cupid has it on the end of his arrow because it is actually a sexual symbol of a woman facing away from a man better. <laughs> Down to her hand. That's it. You just had to do I, it, Robert. Yeah. Just had to do it. So that's where you get it. Yeah. So you're welcome. You know, you're never gonna look at a so, heart the same way. Not. <laughs> you're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Revelation 2.24, now. You you send each other hearts all the time now. That's your, that's your foreplay. Now, to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, in other words, those who hold true doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. In other words, you're doing enough. Just stand. Hold fast. First Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between Christ and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Those holding true doctrine, that he will come and get them and relieve them of their tribulation, while others will go through the great tribulation. That's exactly what he said in the letter, where I will send you through great tribulation. If you want out of here in time, before the great tribulation, be on the right side. Otherwise, embrace the sun. Questions about Thyatira? Questions, comments, suggestions about so anything? I mean, and I know it. I know that it probably. So you say that you know, like that that church was. They were very pleasing to, or like they were very accepting of. Oh, what's up with that name? Oh, they were very kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, you know. So that happens in a lot of modern churches now. And I just, you know, you can just read a Bible verse and it will tell you, oh yeah, it's not good. But then if you were to, you know, but then like, how did they, how did, why is it still happening? Why is it, you know, we're all reading from the same book, you know, it's all the same stuff. Why are, if you sit there and tell me in your house, like, Oh, this is not good. This is what's all in the Bible. And why do we have mega churches that are like, come have a cappuccino, and if you're a good person, you go to heaven? Because it. it's more about butts and pews than online views. That's a good rhyme. It was really good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so if you're going to see at the bottom, there are some what would probably be considered mega churches. I mean, 10, 20,000 people yeah. every Sunday, and they are. Dead set on doctrine. In fact, Jack Hibbs out in Calvary Chapel. I mean, they're like 20,000 every Sunday, and they're just doing stuff left and right. But they're dead set right in biblical foundation. But then you look at Joel Osteen. Right. You won't hear the word sin. If he read, he, you will never hear him talk about chapter 2, Revelation, because it would... He'd have to lock that stupid charlatan smile off his face and actually address something. He's not going to do it. Because you don't get 8 million people to show up and buy all your books when it's not, how to make God pay off your house. No, they're not going to pay off your house. I mean, you just look at him and he's like, that dude. Right. It's very I mean, this is the same guy that when when they had the floods, they said, hey, can we use your church? He was like, no, go get mud in the sanctuary. And then when that got out, he was like, come, come, come. Yeah, you were more worried about what the public thought than actually doing what you're supposed to. So, and there's a lot of these churches. So, you got to find one that's going to stand and teach you the right way. So what about like baby Christians? Though? Like what about people that... Don't know anything, and they show up, and they're thinking, "Oh, this is great." Now they're being led in the wrong direction. So that's where they other people have to go in and go, "Well, have you actually read your Bible?" Sure. Are they doing what the Bible says, or are they making you feel good? You can't always lean on lean everybody on. else to give you your 
relationship. Like you have to build that on for yourself yeah. too. And you're not always at a restaurant. Sometimes you have to feed yourself. Right. Yeah. Sal Rothman. Sal Rothman. The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> actually, Lord of the Rings is actually based on the Bible. Yes, it is. Very much so. So it is actually World War One, yep. and the nation's moving in World War One as he depicted from this Lord of the Rings was actually what he saw going on behind the scenes of, in the spiritual realm, realm to lead the nations. So yes, it's all Did I answer your the... question. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I was low key, low fun. I think we need to have an interstellar night. Interstellar. Oh, no. I agree. <laughs> so that, biblical. That one we, we just confused. Well, he, he said it's biblical, so I'm. I, I need to rewatch it. It, it is biblical because it's based on science, and God is the God of science. They just, if you watch it and think about your Bible the whole time, you'll be like, "That's Ephesians one." Like, they profess themselves to be wise, but in being wise, they became stupid because they don't even see it. They worship the creation and not the creator, which is why you won't hear Revelation or uh, Ephesians 1 preached in churches. Because at the end, he literally says, and I will hold all of you accountable and those who basically support them. If you go along with the lie or don't, can, yeah, you're just as guilty. Oh, we don't watch this that because then... Everybody we'll in the church the starts. Then I don't get my Carl Macchiato. Yeah. I think, you, know? <laughs> you start teaching people to stand up for themselves, and all of a sudden they don't just follow you and blindly listen to you and buy every book you come out with. It's worth less than the toilet paper you're using after you use. I don't know. They have that really, really big toilet paper roll now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. We'll sit in the corner. Any questions, comments, <laughs> All right, who would like to close us in prayer? Okay, hearing none. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for this time to come together. We thank you for studying your word. We thank you for the application and that we can see what you were telling us in your word thousands of years ago coming together in today's news. And that if we look just a few pages ahead, we know exactly what's going to happen. We can prepare, be ready, not fear. You told us when you see these things happen, do not fear, but rejoice, for your redemption draws near. How much closer now are we than ever before that we are blessed to see all of these things? Help us to open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our spirit to your word. Let it be our base. Let it be our home. Let it be our guide. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.